0: Episode 766. The day after the Super Bowl, we welcome onto the show Eric Merlis, author of the book titled I Was There. We'll take a look back at Sunday's big game and talk some Packers football. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning Green Bay Packers fans, welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host Brian Carvu, and today we're talking about the aftermath of the Super Bowl. And to do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone today.
1: Baltar, find me another expert—one that likes me this time,
0: okay? We have Eric Merlis, author, author of the book titled "I Was There." Mr. Merlis, how you doing this morning? Brian, how are you today? Very good. I'm glad you could join us on the show, Eric. We got lots to talk about here. The Patriots beat the Falcons 34-28 to in the Super Bowl yesterday. We're going to get to your book in a minute, but we'll start with the Super Bowl because it's fresh in our memory. Uh, were you surprised by both A, the Falcons commanding early lead, and B, the Patriots comeback? You know, I, I think in retrospect,
1: I don't think anything should, should surprise anybody. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you know, look, going into this game, I, I think the overwhelming thought was that it was going to be a great game. How we got there might not have been how everybody expected it to happen, uh, but ultimately it was a great game, and these were two evenly matched teams, and it was really a battle of, of halves. I mean, it was a, maybe a little bit more more half for the Falcons. You know, they, they score early in the second half to make it 28-3, and then after that it's all Patriots. Uh, but ultimately we got to the place that I think everybody expected to be at, uh, before the game even started, uh, you know, and that was a close game. You know, overtime in the Super Bowl for the first time, obviously, is it, it's wonderful to finally see. But again, I, these these were two teams that, that I think we expected a close game, and, and again, how we got there was was part of the journey.
0: Do you agree with the NFL's overtime rules? Was it okay that Matt Ryan and Julio Jones never even had the opportunity to touch the football just because they lost the coin toss?
1: I have no problem with it. And simply for the reason that you have two ways to to get the ball. You can either stop the Patriots or you can hold them to a field goal. If you give them the touchdown, so be it. I have no problem with the rule. I liked the change when they made it. Um, I think I think when they made the change from the old rules, where it ended on a field goal, that was the appropriate change because you could you could stop a team on the 35 yard line and lose the game. Here they have to score, and uh, I, just personally, I, I don't see any issues with that rule.
0: Now, I'm personally a fan of the college football overtime, but that's just me. That's just me, uh, Eric. I'm springing this question on you because it's a big talking point this morning. The NF, the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Tom Brady won it. A lot of people saying James White should have won it. He's a Wisconsin guy. So uh, we know him very well <laughs> around these parts. Who do you think should have won it?
1: Uh, I have no problem with the choice. There, there, there were a number of good choices. Uh, and James White, certainly you, you can't argue that. Uh, but you look at the numbers that, that Brady put up and the composure that, that he exhibited as they were doing the comeback. Um, it, it all centers around him for the, for the Patriots. It's, you know, it, it all goes as Tom Brady goes. Um, and, and so I have no problem with that. And again, it, well, once you look at the numbers, it, it's hard to make any argument. I mean, he threw it for 460 something yards. Uh, it, it's hard to not give him an MVP award, even if other guys had great games. And when when a quarterback throws for that kind of number, there are going to be receivers and running backs that have that have quality games and have and put up numbers that are record numbers as well. And that's what James White did last night. Uh, if they gave it to him, I think I don't think anybody would have been upset about it. But ultimately, the the ch- the choice was the right one.
0: Yeah, we'll just say both players had great games. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, before the Super Bowl and a guy who played in the Super Bowl on Saturday night, we saw Matt Ryan win the NFL's MVP award. Um, well, a guy we know well around here, Aaron Rodgers came in fifth place. Did you agree with Ryan winning the MVP award? I didn't have a problem with it.
1: Uh, I, it, it, this is one of those seasons where there really were a number of great candidates. Uh, and, and Aaron Rodgers, look, the way, the way the Packers turned things around in the second half of the season, uh, you, you, you couldn't have argued that, you know, that, that would have been a, a, a good choice as well. Um, I think that's the first half might have been held against him a little bit, uh, and, and Ryan was more consistent. But there were other great candidates out there as well, and you could say Tom Brady was a great candidate. You could say both guys down in, in Dallas were. Uh, there were a bunch of them, and that's why it's a vote, and that's why it's not one person just saying this guy's the MVP and, and, and a number of people make the decision. Um Again, if it was Aaron Rodgers, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. I don't have a problem with Matt Ryan. I wouldn't have had a problem with a couple other people as well.
0: Yep. All right, Eric, let's get to your book here. Uh, We gave due diligence to the Super Bowl, but uh, there are several Packers specific references and I was there. But before we get to that, can you just describe what the book is as a whole? And maybe the subtitle is a good place to start. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, so so I talked to 65 broadcasters and journalists uh, about the top five moments that they've seen in person. Uh, so they had to have been in the building and, and witnessed the game, although there are a couple exceptions, and we're going to actually talk about one of those in a minute. Okay. Um, but but the, the subtitle, as you mentioned, the subtitle is It's Joe Buck, Bob Costas, Jim Nance, and Others Relive the Most Exciting Sporting Events of Their Lives. Uh, And those are just three of the people involved that that I had an opportunity to talk to, uh, to get stories from. Uh, Marv Albert wrote the forward uh, and also contributed his list. Uh, So, you know, you're you're talking about, you know, four of the most prominent play-by-play guys in all of sports um, and ultimately in all of sports history. Um, and, And there were a lot of other guys, obviously, you know, Kenny Albert and Ian Eagle and Mike Breen and... Nick Stockton so on and so on on the broadcasting side and, and writers like Bob Ryan uh, Dave Kindred and so on so there there are a lot a lot of wonderful names uh, and I had a chance to uh, do a lot of incredible interviews and, and and really enjoyed the process and getting to chat with these folks and and hearing some amazing stories
0: yeah that's a who's who right there of of uh guys in the sports industry but as for the green bay packers specifically there's a couple of mentions but i want to start with the most recent reference unfortunately it's a loss but the 2008 nfc championship game makes the book who tells that story and what do they remember about it
1: well there are two people uh and sam ryan and carissa thompson both talk about it okay um and if you remember obviously that was the game that was played in the bitter bitter cold um and being in new york you know the images here are are the pictures of Tom Coughlin with the fr- with the frostburn frostbite, on, frostbite <laughs> on his face and and all of that kind of stuff. So obviously, that right there plays a large role in it. The, the surroundings, but, you know, it, it's similar back going back to the ice ball, um, which is actually also mentioned in here, and I, I I failed to mention that to you when I when I uh, when we talked earlier. But that the ice bowl is actually mentioned in here as well. Okay. Um, but it, but it's a similar you know similar scenario where the 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 surroundings of the weather. Are, are played just as big a factor as, as the game itself. Um, and, and, you know, and I mentioned that you, know, you had to be in the building to watch the game, but this is one of those where someone who wasn't exactly in the building, and as Carissa Thompson tells the story, she was supposed to be in the building and was <laughs> there for pregame warm-ups. Um, and actually she was hosting Best Damn Sports Show at the time. And was goofing around doing some seg- pre-tape segments on the field before the game, and Mike McCarthy apparently didn't like what she was doing, uh, and had security remove her from the stadium before the game started. <laughs> uh, I've never
0: heard that story.
1: Yes, and, and she will be the she will be the first one, obviously, to tell you this story. Um, she shared it with me, so she had no problem putting it in the book. So she she watched the game from the warmth of the hotel across the street, but um, she was she was in the stadium before the game, and and. You know, she got to watch it from the warmth, as opposed to everybody else who froze their butts off.
0: <laughs> but was she, she wasn't supposed to be at the sideline reporter that game, was she? No, she no no. She would have she was
1: uh, hosting Best Damn Sports okay. Show at the time, so so she was she would have been in there. You know, for for pregame and postgame, and, and you know, getting some segments yeah. taped, things like that. And uh, the, the Packers didn't like what, what they were watching her do on the field before the game as she was goofing around, and that was that. <laughs>
0: okay, that, that, that's interesting. That's that's one there that, that I think they'll find in your book. They're not going to find anywhere else. But anyway, that, that was unfortunately a moment most Packers fans want to forget True. that game. Uh, so let's talk about a good memory, and one I personally attended, the 1997 NFC Championship game. Can you refresh my memory a little bit uh, about what's in your book?
1: Absolutely, and that, and that's a story that's told by EJ uh from the NHL Network, which gives you an idea of how um, just because people are quote unquote hockey guys, you know, they they still love going to other events and talking about other events. <laughs> uh, so here's a hockey guy talking about it, and and you know, obviously this was a great game, and and with the Packers going on to win the Super Bowl and Brett Favre's first trip to the Super Bowl. Um, but it, what, what, what stood out for him and the reason he really wants to talk about it is that it was his first trip to Lambeau Field. Um, and, and that's something that you see, that's a theme you see throughout the book is that, um, once again, it's, it's, you know, there are certain locations and certain venues that bring out emotion in people and Lambeau Field is obviously one of them. You know, I I've I've been there a bunch of times and I've always said it is the single greatest sports venue in the United States. Uh and and you you see that come out in this book where people talk about Augusta, people talk about Lambo, people will talk about places like Fenway, depending on the fan, Fenway or the old Yankee <laughs> Stadium. Um and and they want to talk about it more from they want to talk about the game that they saw more from the, the stadium they saw it in, or the arena they saw it in, and why that was so important to them, as opposed to what actually happened. And obviously, you're talking an NFC championship game, which, you know, which everyone in Green Bay has incredibly fond memories of. Um, but in, in a case like this, it was just, it was as much about Lambeau as it was uh, what happened on the field, which is, which, you know, it's an interesting spin. And, and again, it's a spin that, that happens quite often throughout the book.
0: Very cool, very cool. Uh, Eric, there are a couple other references in the book. We don't want to give it all away. We want our listeners to go get the book and find out for themselves. Yes, please, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you were in Houston this past week promoting the book on Radio Row at the Super Bowl. It's something I've personally witnessed, and it's quite a scene. Can you just tell us what it's like and some of the people you talk to in the run-up to the Super Bowl?
1: Sure. You know, it, it's, it's, I had never been there before. Um, it, it was really kind of an amazing setup. Um, you know, I've heard stories. I know people that have been on both sides of the microphone there. Um, but you know, you, you walk into this room and it's just dozens upon dozens of radio stations, and um, both national and local. And and basically, I, I was just t- I had a flyer for the book and I was just passing it out to as many stations as I could, in hopes that some of them would bring me on and. You know the 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 thing for me is, you know, I, I'll go into other cities and nobody knows who I am. I'm you know I'm just a guy promoting a book, mm-hmm. and you look around the room and and this is this was when towards the end of I was there for two days towards the end of the second day, uh, this is when I knew it was my time was up in this room and it was time to leave. Uh, I saw Drew Brees and Le'Veon Bell and Eric Dickerson and Lynn Swan walking around doing interviews and here I am trying to get on the same stations that they are. And I said to myself, well, I think my time here is done. Um, you know, look, look, at, look at who's walking around being interviewed right now, and then you have a guy that nobody in most of these cities has heard of trying to get interviewed. Well, who were you going to put on the air? Drew Brees, Le'Veon Bell, or me? Um, I, I went early in the week as opposed to later in the week before a lot of that stuff popped up. I, I probably did about ten interviews over the span of almost two days, uh, places like Sacramento and Baltimore, um, a couple of national interviews uh, and then you know, st- you know some of the smaller stations that were just looking to grab whoever they could, I fell into the you know whoever you could grab group um, but it was it was an amazing experience to just you know to 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 promote myself I'm, you know that's yeah, that's a hard thing for a lot of people to do, myself included. Um, but to walk around the room and to be, you know, all of a sudden, you know, this Sacramento's on the phone, they want me to come by their their uh their booth and, and and do an interview, you know, that's pretty cool. I I'm not gonna lie. It was pretty cool to, to, to be on the other end of it. Um it, it was it was if I didn't go I would have regretted it once I went. Um, you know, I just soaked it all in and enjoyed myself and then got out of town before all the craziness really
0: happened. <laughs> well, that's- that's a cool story. Uh, glad you enjoyed doing all that. And and Eric, before we let you go here, tell our listeners, what's the preferred method for ordering the book?
1: Absolutely. It's uh, it's easy to find on Amazon. That's where I send everybody. Um, you get it a little cheaper that way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but for those who prefer the old brick-and-mortar stuff, it's available in Barnes and & Noble and all the other major bookstores around the country as well.
0: Very cool. Uh, can we get a Super Bowl 52 prediction from you?
1: Um, (laughs) Uh, Look, you know, it's funny. Last night set the bar for uh, what a Super Bowl could be Uh, because it wasn't a boring game. Even when it was twenty-eight-three, it wasn't a boring game. Uh, A lot of times when these games are close, you know, 17-14, and and, and a bunch of the Patriots Super Bowls were this way. Where it was seventeen fourteen and 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 it wasn't a great game, but it had a great ending or had a great moment towards the end of the game. This one didn't. This one was building, and 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 you could see that you could see as the momentum changed. You could see you could see the comeback coming, and that just added to the excitement. And you had those individual moments, whether it was the Julio Jones catch or it was the Edelman catch. You had those moments that that really galvanized that second half and galvanized the memories for a lot of people. Um, so a, a preview of next year, I don't. It's going to be awfully hard, whatever it is, to live up to what yesterday was.
0: Yeah, I, I, this one may have made your book had the timing worked out I right. I think so. it.
1: I think it absolutely would have. There's no question. Um, this this is this will go down as one of the best Super Bowls of all time not ready to slap that best one ever tag on it yet. I think you've got to give it a little time before you do that, but it certainly is going to be right near the top.
0: Yeah. Uh, Good note to end on. Mr. Merlis, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for your time, and uh, uh, best of luck with the book, and uh, we'd love to have you back sometime.
1: Anytime, Brian. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right.
0: Take care. Eric Merlis, author of the book, I Was There, joining us here at RailBird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, what's going on out there. Uh, the New England Patriots defeated the Atlanta Falcons 34-28, a thrilling Super Bowl, the first ever overtime game in Super Bowl history and the largest comeback in Super Bowl history as well. Previously, the biggest comeback was 10 points, uh, and uh, this more than doubled that. So it was a great game to end the 2016-2017 season, the last competitive football game you and me and everybody is going to see for quite a few months. Uh, But uh, seeing as that doesn't have much of a Packers angle, we're not going to spend too much time else on the Super Bowl that we haven't already because we do have a few other things to get through. Uh, Jordy Nelson was named the NFL Comeback Player of the Year as voted upon by the Associated Press on Saturday nights. Uh, The award was presented Saturday evening the night before the Super Bowl at the annual NFL Honors Award Show. Nelson reportedly earned 36 of the 50 votes with Miami Cam- uh, Miami defensive end Cameron Wake coming in second place. Uh, Nelson, of course, led the league with 14 touchdown receptions this past season, in addition to catching 97 passes for 1,257 yards. It was certainly a deserving award for Nelson, who came back from a knee injury that forced him to miss All of the 2015 season to become a huge part of the Packers passing offense this year. uh, Nelson seemed to get better as the season went on, becoming more and more of a threat the later into the season he went, uh, just as the Packers did. Kind of followed his lead. Uh, Those who track things, though, like yards after the catch, such as uh, Bob McGinn of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel... They note it was the lowest since Jordy Nelson's rookie season. Um, That, however, shouldn't diminish his accomplishments. Um, But there you go. Uh, Jordy Nelson winning the NFL's Comeback Player of the Year Award over the weekend. The official award recognized by the NFL, as we've noted here uh, on the show in the past. He had previously won awards from... Uh, The Sporting News among other outlets, however, this is the one everybody recognizes as the official (laughs) award. So congratulations to Jordy Nelson. I saw him sitting there in the audience going up on stage to accept the award during the award show. uh, If you happen to be watching on Fox the night before the Super Bowl. Uh, Other Packers angles coming out of that uh, award show. Aaron Rodgers comes in fifth. On the NFL's MVP voting, we already mentioned that. But the voting went like this. So Matt Ryan, of course, won it. He got 25 votes. Tom Brady came in second with 10 votes. Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys, six votes. Tied with Derek Carr uh, of the Oakland Raiders, also getting six votes. And then Aaron Rodgers in fifth place with two. And rounding it out, Dak Prescott of the Cowboys got one vote. coming in sixth place. So you may have thought Rodgers deserved to be higher on the list, but obviously no one was touching Matt Ryan, who was the clear winner by 15 votes. Uh, And that, of course, shouldn't diminish what Rodgers accomplished this season either. He did a fantastic job, but obviously got off to a slow start. Uh, Had he played better the first half of the year, he may have had a chance. Uh, But Rodgers will have to settle with having a great season with no MVP award to show for it. And that, you know, that's just, it is what it is. Players players can have great seasons without winning uh, an MVP award. Matt Ryan isn't the only guy who gets to say he had a great season. Heck, uh, the guys who made the Pro Bowl, like David Bakhtiari, can say he had a great season uh he's just an offensive lineman and obviously any offensive lineman even the best ones in the NFL uh, history aren't coming away with MVP awards so uh that doesn't mean they didn't play great and uh Rodgers certainly played great in 2016 he'll just have to wait till next year to maybe get his next chance at an MVP award And finally here, in other Packers news, flying under the radar in the shadow of the Super Bowl. The Packers have a little frog in my throat today. The Packers reportedly lost a member of their coaching staff. Uh, According to a report by Alex Marvez of the Sporting News, the Los Angeles Rams are hiring Ajiro Evero as defensive backs coach. Evero was a defensive quality control coach for the Packers this past season. Uh, This report actually conflicts with another report that had the Rams hiring former UCLA assistant Aubrey Pleasant to the same position. I'm certainly in no position to say one report is right and one is wrong. Perhaps it's simply a case of one being in charge of the cornerbacks and the other being in charge of the safeties like the Packers do. <clears throat> with Darren Perry, um, I don't know. Uh, you know the, but <clears throat> Evero spent only one season in Green Bay, and if the report is accurate, the Packers will probably have to be on the lookout for a new defensive quality control coach. Who that is exactly, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, not something I can predict, or anybody I think can predict with with any accuracy. At this very moment, um, but yeah, there you go. Kind of uh, flew under the radar yesterday or Saturday night when that that news breaks broke. As obviously, you know, everybody had their attention focused on NFL honors and, and the Super Bowl itself. But Packers losing a member of their coaching staff uh, over the weekend, at least reportedly. Uh, we'll see when that becomes confirmed um, by the teams themselves. But moving on
1: the day ahead.
0: All right. Beginning today, the waiver system for the 2017 NFL season begins, which is basically reflected of reflective of the NFL draft order. Uh, The Packers will have the 29th pick in the NFL draft, and they'll be 29th in the pecking order on the NFL's waiver system. Both the Steelers and the Packers were eliminated in the conference championship round. But by virtue of having a better record, the Steelers will draft 30th and the Packers 29th. Same thing with the waivers. Uh, Basically, from today until the NFL's trading deadline, which happens in the midst of the regular season, players that have played less than four years in the league are subject to waivers if they're released. And all I'm saying here is the process starts today. Obviously, there's not going to be a flood of teams releasing players, but one when one happens, it it's pretty tough to predict. Uh, you know, the teams just kind of do this really out of the blue a lot of times if they're cutting a player, you know, at this time of year. Um, you know, obviously, there are different other times of year when You know, players are more likely to be released, you know, like the end of training camp, uh, you know, when every team is releasing dozens of players. And uh, maybe that's, you know, a little more appropriate time to be scouring the waiver wire when, you know, teams across the NFL are making claims. But it all starts today. The day after the Super Bowl, the waiver system starts. So any time a player is released now, four years or less, veterans remember Aren't subject to waivers. If you have four years or more of service in the NFL, uh, you're not subject to waivers. At least not until after the tra- trade deadline. After the trade deadline, then you are. Uh, but for the next several months, players four years and less uh, subject to waivers starting today, Monday. And also on Monday, tickets go on sale for the Green Bay Packers annual tailgate tour. More or less, there are outlets that sell tickets in each particular city the team is visiting this upcoming April. Um, The tour lasts from April 4th to April 8th. I know there's at least one instance of tickets being sold online, but the best I can do is direct you to the Packers' official website, that's packers.com, and find the post on the tailgate tour They have very specific directions on where you can purchase tickets. I'm not going to go through every option here on this podcast. It would just be very boring. Uh, But I do want to direct you to, if you're interested in doing that, head to Packers.com. they got all the directions there, and you can find out which city, whether it's Medford or uh, Iron Mountain, Houghton, all the places they're going uh, this upcoming spring. And uh, go check that out. So there you go. And that pretty much brings to a close today's episode of Railbird Central. My call to action. Today's show is brought to you by Beer Madison's upcoming craft beer bar, looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner. Please give us a follow on Facebook at Beer Rock Madison, that's spelled B-I-E-R-O-C-K, we're looking to get word out on social media before we actually open, which I think is the wise thing to do. So please give us a follow. We'll be posting more and more on social media as we get closer to opening and secure funding and all those sorts of fun things. Um, we're working on it. so. Everybody, thanks so much for joining us today Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8:30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you folks. We'll be back again on Wednesday to talk some more Packers football. So, on behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Carvu. We'll see you later, folks. I leave you today with a song called Valley of the Jig. That's good by the string cheese incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go Pack Go.